0: This is why I'm saying if there is no resurrection, then there is no message. If you have the resurrected power, then you've got the message. And why aren't we living with that power that God has given us? Father in heaven, I want to thank you once again for bringing us here this morning. Lord, these are trying times and very depressing times when we drive and see church doors closed. And I know, Father, that by our doors being opened, we're going to get criticism. We're going to get criticized. And I pray, Father, that they at least look into what we're trying to do, that we are trying to continue to spread the gospel, and we are trying to seek your face in your place. We know, Father, that when we seek your face and we in your place, and we humble ourselves, and we pray, we know that you will answer. And we ask God right now to answer our petition, our prayer. And first and foremost, Lord, we want to ask you for forgiveness for the the ills that we have caused upon others and the ills that we've caused upon ourselves. Those things that we may not even know, but Father, I pray that you search our heart and show us where it is that we need to humble ourselves. This is not a coincidence that this plague that has been sent down and allowed on this planet to happen during the time that we celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And we know, Father, that you are doing something miraculously in this. And us, as those that have been born again, regenerated, sanctified, and one day to be glorified, you have called us to be the church. And I know in ages past, you have used situations like this. You have used the the, the wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and plagues to pronounce and proclaim your word throughout the known world. You've used persecution, even death, to make sure that your word got out. And so we here, Father, as a group, a small group of believers have come, and we are asking right now, Lord, that you lead us, that you lead us to be the church in our homes, first and foremost, and in our communities. And Father, I just thank you for that ability and being able to do so. So, Lord, I want to First and foremost, thank you for for those that are here today, and uh, that you open up your word to us, that we continue on in the, the theme of the resurrection as we did weeks ago, and without even realizing when we started this book that we would be right here at this point in time. So Father, I pray that you use this moment, this time, to proclaim your word so we can see your word in our lives unfold, and we thank you, Father. Lead us in all things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. amen and amen. Thank you once again. Let me ask you to open up. You may be seated. Open up your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15. Now, for those of you that are with us now for the first time, we have been going through the book of First Corinthians now for several months and it's it's a, it amazes me and it, it shouldn't but i am still in awe on how all of these verses have fit us as a body and i'm sure it's the same with everyone else that is preaching through the gospels or preaching through the epistles or preaching through the old testament it just seems that that portion of scripture is appropriate for that time in that church and for us it just so happens that chapter 15 the probably the the most reliable and probably the most uh, expanded version of the resurrection for us as believers that we are right smack dab in the middle of it when we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and so I thank God that he's brought us to this point and and if you've been following us for some time you know that this church is a church in trouble this church has been going through all kinds of problems in their life and and this church has been uh just not doing the things that Paul had asked them to do at the very beginning they had divisions they had divisions because one group wanted to follow one leader another group wanted to follow another leader and you had various views on how to do ministry because apollos was an intellect and he was very um cerebral in a sense and he would just that's the way he taught and we said well we want to follow that guy and seeing paul was a missionary and he was just a go-getter and man, we want to follow that guy and peter man well you know peter had a loud mouth and, and he was just going off and shooting from the hip and you know we're gonna get everybody saved and and so we want to be like peter so you had you can imagine the personality that were in that church, and because they didn't do ministry the way they did it, and you didn't do ministry the way I do it, then you're in the wrong, and I'm in the right, and that's what they had going on at the very beginning, and because of that, this disunity of this church, they they were suing each other. There was sexual immorality. There were things that were going on within the church that Paul just kept hammering away at and hammering away at, And, and, and then all of a sudden, he just stops, and he says, okay, here's what's going on. You're, you're divided because of your love for each other. You don't have love. I want you to desire love. Every one of you are looking for these showy gifts and you want your gifts to be pronounced and above and beyond and, and the ministry that you're involved in and you want that to be the number one thing. And then like a, a, a deep breath of fresh air. Chapter 13 pops up right in the middle of it all. Love. Love one another. That's the highest calling. And you, if you were to love one another, if we were to love one another as Paul had directed us to, then all these other issues would, fall, would just fall to the wayside. And so Paul had been talking to us in chapter 12 about the spiritual gifts, the use and misuse of spiritual gifts. Chapter 13, this love is the, the highest to, to br- bring up in your own life. And then chapter 14, how to, how to work these gifts within the church. And then in chapter 15, he's saying, okay, now let, let me talk to you guys about the resurrection because you know that the resurrection happened. Can somebody say amen? I only heard one amen. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Let these guys hear you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. You believe in the resurrection, right? That's why you're here. That's why we are Christians. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because if that is not our foundation, then we might as well just hang it up. This is what Paul is saying in the rest of chapter 15. And he gives us a very good understanding of it. Now, I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel, he says, the good news, the message I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, and here's the word, here's the gospel, that Jesus Christ, he says, died on a cruel cross, he was murdered, he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and he resurrected, and one day he's coming back. And the charismatic core, died, buried, resurrected. It's a three-punch, died, buried, resurrection. And we had said a few weeks ago, Paul says, you know, I would rather speak five intelligible words. And those should be the five intelligible words that Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and he was resurrected and returning. And and so those are the things that we, if we're going to say anything, that's what we need to be saying. Not the spiritual gifts, not everything else, as important as they are. Now we need our spiritual body. We need our body to function well. But if we don't base it upon the resurrection of what Jesus Christ did, and, and so Paul lays it all out. You know that. That's our that's our gospel, that's our message, that's why we're preaching this to you guys. We're telling you this because this is important. And it's it couldn't be more important than any other time than today. Because many Christians are living as there is no resurrection. There is no resurrection, and not only that there is no resurrection, but there's no power in that resurrection, and and rightly so. Please, I, you know, I've done all I can to take care of my family. I've, I've made sure that we're stocked up. I think I missed the toilet paper thing, but I'm sure some of you guys are okay with that. You'll help me out, Amen. You know, okay, but I, but I'm I'm good right now. You know, I I miss that, but I got all the food and everything else that we need. You know, I've got water, we've got, you know, just, you know, enough for ourselves, and, and we're, I'm, I'm asking you to prepare. We're doing everything we can, not only here at church, but in our home to make sure that we're safe. We have a daughter that is, well, you know her, she's, she's one of those that, that, uh, that they're considered to be highly at risk. So we're keeping her at home, we're keeping her sanitized, and we're doing that. We, we don't want that to, to ever happen to any of you. Yet, it's not that that we should be concerned. It's, it's the fear, the, the actual fear that is gripping the lives of many well-known Christians. And, uh, okay, I guess that's enough. You closed the door? <laughs> it just closed. <laughs> enough people showed up. Okay, thank you. I wish you would have saw that, guys. Anyways, um, we, we're doing what we can, and we want to make sure that you're safe. Amen. However, fear shouldn't be in your life. And one of the things that Paul is talking about here is exactly that. He's saying, well, not only fear, it's just, where's your life? You call yourself Christians, you're, you're people of, of, of the cross, you wear it proudly, you hang it up on your walls, you put it on your rear view mirrors. Yeah, do you know what that cross signifies? Are you, are you understanding the full meaning behind the crucifixion, what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you? And Paul says, I want you guys to understand that there was a resurrection because they are arguing with each other. You know, we believe that Jesus Christ resurrected. Thank you, Paul, for sharing this information with us that uh, first somebody saw him and, uh, you know, Peter and then the the disciples and then the 500 and and, and then you last saw him. And and thank you for that. That's last week's message. I want to ask you to go to SoundCloud and, and pull that out there. And last week's message dealt with that the message is the resurrection. Or the resurrection is the message. And today I want to talk to you about if we don't have a resurrection, then we don't have a message. And I'm going to read out of verses 12 through 19 in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, and it goes like this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ when he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who are fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Father in heaven, I pray that you take your word and show us this morning on the power of this resurrection that each one of us holds because we placed our faith in your son, Jesus Christ, for what he's done on the cross for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen Amen and amen. amen. It's interesting because this church here, more than likely, just like everything else, their spiritual gifts, their way of worship, the frenzies and and the fanaticism that they were going through, the sacrifice and the eating of food, sacrifice to idols, and just everything else that they brought in from the outside world. And they changed the church from the outside in where the church should be changing from the inside out. It should be taking the gospel out and changing the world. And this church has become so carnal so fleshly so i'm I'm talking about the church in corinth not this church folks okay (laughs) just for just so you know that those of you that are watching we're talking about the church in corinth and the church in corinth had become so mixed up in its values that it brought in this idea that possibly okay maybe christ did die and he resurrected but us grecians we we don't we don't believe that see they had this dual nature understanding in other words Dual nature, this dualism was that, you know, the the spirit is the one that's most elevated. And so we need to feed the spirit as much as possible. And the more spiritual I get, then the more elevated I am and the more closer I am to God. And everything that was that you can touch, the flesh, everything else was evil. So it didn't matter what you did to the flesh, what you did to the body. And so their understanding of the body was it's going to be burnt up anyways. And so in their understanding, they said, you know, our body, when we die, it's just going to go to sleep. Which some people have even thought about, I've heard this here just recently, of what's called a soul sleep. My body just dies and it it deteriorates, and my soul just goes to sleep. And that's it. And I go into just nothing. And when the body dies and it disintegrates, and and the soul and the spirit at rest, there's another teaching that's out there that's called extinction. And it was within the church itself extinction or annihilation. there's nothing human or physical otherwise that survives after death. In other words, you just die and boom. No spirit, no, de- no, no body, nothing else survives. There is another teaching called reincarnation, where when you die, you come back as something else or someone else. Could be an animal, could be a person, could be... Depending on how good you were on this planet, it will determine what you're going to come back on. Because, first of all, the creator of this world just didn't figure out that he needed that many souls or that many bodies, so you know, he has to, okay, I got to replenish these. And so that's what he does. And others believe in what is generally called absorption. In other words, the uh, the spirit, uh, or at least the certain parts of the spirit return back to its source and the source absorbs it. I I was talking to a young woman about this here some time ago where she said that, I believe that we go back to this huge spirit like the sun and we just kind of fade right into it and we're part of that huge source that has made us. And, And so these... Every one of these teachings, which was prevalent back then and even today in our culture, they they have one thing in common. You lose who you are. You lose your identity. You lose your very being of being a God carrier or a God image bearer. And see, God made you in His image. And God is eternal, amen? And God will continue for all eternity. That means you will continue for all eternity as well. And as we said last week, see, We are believers, we are believers in a religion that believes that Christianity is a religion of the resurrection. We all are going to resurrect. Some of us are going to resurrect to eternal life, and some of us are going to resurrect to eternal wrath. This is the Teaching that had been known for many years, and, and it has been taught uh, from, from the very beginning. Daniel taught it back in the Old Testament. And it's, it's in there in your outlines. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, Daniel says in Daniel 12 too. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Jesus even taught this in the New Testament. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. John 6, 44. And so you can't come to Jesus Christ on your own. You can't raise your hand and say, okay, I'll I'll do it, I guess. It's not like God is waiting up there and thinking, okay, when is he going to give his life to Christ? When is he going to do this? You know, I sent my son just for him. And one day you just decide, okay, I give up. I'll do it, Lord. It, It doesn't work that way. Jesus himself said it right here. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Think about that, folks. You didn't come to Jesus Christ. God drew you to him. Those of you that are listening right now, you're being drawn by God to Jesus Christ because that's what you need. You need Jesus Christ. And if you're not being drawn, doesn't matter how much I preach or what I say, then God is not going to respond to to what I I want him to, but only he is the drawer. My responsibility is to pray for you and is to teach you and to reach you. Somebody asked me, so why would you go and preach and teach and reach if if God's going to do all the work? Well, you know, I, I haven't really kind of balanced that out quite yet. But I know one thing. God said he's going to draw you, and he told me to go get you. So my responsibility is to go get you. I don't know who you are. God does. But my responsibility is to keep preaching, keep reaching, keep teaching. Amen? Say that with me. Preaching, teaching, and reaching. Once again, preaching, teaching, and reaching is our responsibility. Church, you got to be the church. The resurrection, Jesus said to, to he, he also said this in, in John eleven twenty five. 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You know what's really interesting about these verses is we find these verses in the gospel. And if you've been following along with us, we believe that the gospels hadn't been written yet prior to Paul writing this letter. I know that the gospels are before 1 Corinthians, but chronologically, Paul wrote this letter much uh, much earlier than the Gospels. So, how do we get? How do they get the understanding of the resurrection? Well, some of them were eyewitness accounts. They were there, part of the five hundred. Some of them were told by part of those people that were there, part of the five hundred. You know, the power of a testimony, folks, of the resurrected Christ converts and cuts the heart. Your conversion needs to be told your story, your message. This is why I'm saying if there is no resurrection, then there is no message. If you have the resurrected power, then you've got the message. And why aren't we living with that power that God has given us? That is the call to the church. That is the challenge to the church. That is what God has called us to do because Paul says in verse 12, Now, if Christ is proclaimed raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And I'm going to just change that up just a little bit and say this. If Christ is proclaimed and we proclaim him being raised from the dead, how can some of you live as if there is no resurrection power? How can you do, you know, and you're basically, I am basically saying that Jesus Christ didn't resurrect. Or, or, you know what, I'm not gonna resurrect. And therefore, when I die, that's it. There's nothing. And I'm either gonna get uh I'm either gonna get wiped out, I'm gonna get absolved, or I'm gonna reincarnate or something. I don't know, but you know, it's but all of us know, all of us know that one day we will end up there. And we're hoping. Many people are hoping and praying, you know, that something. God just has favor upon me, as if really he's going to lower his standards just to let me in. Amen. Amen. Six things that I want you to take away from this today, and I want to challenge you with this. I'm going to challenge you with these six things in your outlines. And by the way, church, uh, those of you that listen online, if you'd like to get a copy of our outlines, we don't have the capability of projecting it on the screen as of yet for you, but uh, we we will send it out to you. I, I'll have them done by Friday. I generally do. I tweak them on Saturday, and I try not to tweak them too much. But if you want a copy, let us know. Let us know. Number one, out of verse 13, I need to carry the resurrection of Jesus in my life. I need to carry, not the cross, but the resurrection of Jesus in my life. Now, if you want to carry a cross with you to remind you of the resurrection, fine. But don't just do it for, because it's beautiful. It's nice. It's got diamonds. You, You see, if Christ would not have risen, then there is no power. There's nothing that we can actually attest to. There is a song by Jeremy Camp. I don't know if you've heard it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power uh, that 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 brings the life, that brings the dead to life. He says, "I can walk down the dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear all God's children singing out." We will not be overtaken. We will overcome. Church, that should be our anthem. During these times, we will not be overcome. You know, and, and as a matter of fact, I, I think that one of the things that most people are afraid of is by catching this disease right now is, well, the pain, first of all. You know, the suffering that's going to happen. The, the, the All those things that just seem to take place within our life. And, and rightly so. I'm afraid of that. I am. But the, the fact of the matter is, we're going to go. But that same power, he's going to walk us through. We're going to sing a song here in just a little bit. Uh, Blessed be the name of the Lord when the sun's shining down on me, when things are going just right and I'm feeling healthy and well. You know, I'm going to bless the Lord anyways within the disease and this coronavirus. I'm going to bless him when I'm walking through the desert. When it's the darkest of nights, I'm still going to bless his name. Because that's who he is. He's I've trusted him this far. I've trusted him this far. Why stop now? Can you say amen to that? And so Jesus is saying, you know, I want you to know this. And Paul, you, you've got to turn to Philippians with me. I, I, I wasn't going to do this for, for lack of time. You no, know, but I think we have a lot of time here <laughs> now that we didn't do the music. Uh, and, and I won't be able to do this next week, you know, because uh, especially if we have two services, you know, which I'm hoping that people get, you know, understand this is what we're trying to do. Uh, but in, in the Philippians chapter 4, Okay, I'm sorry. Philippians chapter three, and it's in your outlines. It's in your outline, starting at verse uh, seven. But whatever, verse three, Philippians three, verse seven. But whatever gain I had, Paul says this. I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth. Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus and the righteousness from God that depends on faith now look at this here folks that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying, I want to know that power. I want to know that resurrection power. I want to know that suffering. Not that I actually want to suffer, but I I want to be able to know what what it's like to persevere, to be able to go through all of the stuff that is going on around us, and really not have a whole lot of care, and understand that God is going to take care of his own. Amen? As I said, Jeremy Camp, he sang that song out of Romans 8.11. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Romans 8.11. And so we claim the fact that we carry the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there's truly a resurrection of Christ, I'm challenging you folks, carry that resurrection of Christ with you. Number two. I need to construct my faith in Christ. Everything I do has got to be placed in Jesus Christ. I got to build my life upon Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us that anyone who listens to these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built this house on the sand. The rains came down and the floods rose and the wind blew against that house and the house on the sand fell flat. And then he goes on to say that anybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he's like the wise man that built his house on the rock. The same rains will come down, the same floods will come up, the same winds will come up against that house, but because you have your faith, your word, your uh, life built on Jesus Christ, and you have constructed your faith on Christ himself, then your house will stand now understand you know that this is not talking about a literal home it's talking about your life as people is and what you do by taking jesus christ's words and he said this right at the end of the beatitudes he said this after he changed the whole uh understanding of what the law meant he said this and he says you got to listen to these words folks you guys are following tradition be the church because if there is no resurrection power there is no message and it's unfortunate that many Christians are claiming to carry the resurrection but have no message. So I need to construct my life in Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. You know, you're, it's like, what are you doing? Have you ever talked to a Christian that claims to be a Christian that says he goes to church? And then you talk to him, and he doesn't know that you're a Christian or not. But when he's talking to you, you're wondering, my God, you know, this guy needs to get saved. And then after your conversation, he says, oh, by the way, I'd like to invite you to my church. And you kind of step back and say, no, thank you. <laughs> you ever talk to somebody like that? You ever meet anybody that, that has, that claims that power yet doesn't live it? Amen. Paul is saying, your preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. Yeah. Everything that you do is because, the, the, everything that we do as Christians is because of that resurrection. Because Christ resurrected, you're going to resurrect, he tells the people. Stop saying that there is no resurrection. There is a resurrection. And you will be resurrected as well. And we have to place our faith in Christ and and live as if that's what's happening in our life. You know, this coronavirus has really scared a lot of us. and, And rightly so. And it will continue to. We don't know how long this is going to last. I personally didn't want to shut the the doors to the church. And if it was just me and this recorder, fine, I'm good with that. As long as we get the message out. I see a whole bunch of people out there just lined up there listening to today's sermon. And I pray that you continue doing so. And I pray that you come and join us in one of the slots. We'll, We'll make as many slots as we need to get the church together. But you need to be the church by exercising your faith in Christ by by building it on him number 3 i need to comply with the word of god i need to obey god's word everything you know you just can't obey what you want i like that part i don't like, oh, no, like that part i'm not going to do that part today is something that i'm going to i'm not going to do excuse me but i need to comply yeah i need to comply because my witness too, and the preachers of the resurrection would be liars because my witness and my preaching would just be in vain we're asking people to comply we're asking people to do things that that uh that we're not willing to do ourselves well God says you shouldn't lie well do you lie nope I never lie <laughs> you know well, God says you should be truthful are you truthful yep you know God says you shouldn't uh you know try to subvert the government do you well you know that's there's there's thing I, I had somebody ask me you know this has been some time now. And, uh, and, you know, not about trying to put myself out to be the holiest of saints. I mess up, and I mess up a lot, and I'm sorry about that, you know, and I, I try to do the best I can not to continue to mess. Up. And I'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But there is, there was, oh, I don't even know how to say this, there was a place I used to go to and have my taxes, or not my taxes, my tags paid for. And uh, so I would just go in there, pay my tags, and they'd take care of things. And uh, this place, which is a uh, private, own, privately owned place, charged me a little bit, good. I can get away from the DMV fees and lines and stuff. And uh, I bought a car, and I says, you know, this car, let's just say the car was worth $3,000. And I says, yeah, it, well, you know, is it $3,000? Is it yeah. And they go, uh, you know, you can put down $300. They'd never know. They'd never know. I go, well, why would I want to do that? And they go, well, because your taxes will be a lot less. Really? I go, yeah. You me put it in? No. <laughs> she goes, you sure? I go, yeah. I paid $3,000 for it. I owe taxes on it. But I don't know, man. Most people don't do that. And I go, okay. Now, this person didn't know me from Adam, didn't know I was a pastor or even a Christian. But, you know, and I'm glad, I, and I'm boasting about it now, but but I'm glad that I was able to do that because it gave me the ability to say, don't do that. Well, why not? Wouldn't you? What would you do? I'll, t- I'll tell you what I do. And I've shared this story many times over. That's what I did. And you know, folks, if it's due, it's due. Okay? We're trying to comply here with, with 10 people or less. And we're having to turn people away. We're trying to comply here with our social distancing. We're trying to comply here. I know it's not a law as of yet. And I know it's not. And they could never stop me from congregating in my house. They never can. They can't stop you from worshiping your church. Or can they? Will they? We never thought this day would happen. Yes. We never thought this would ever take place. Yes. What's next? Oh, you can't do it at your house either. Okay. Because what are you going to do? You know, and and some of us are going to say, "Well, we're going to do it anyways." Okay. Well, then we're going to start throwing you in jail. Okay. Well, we're going to stop. Are you? Where does it end? And folks, you know that that time is coming. I got to obey the ends. word of God. Ought to comply with what God is saying. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. In essence, what Paul is saying is, you know, we've been preaching to you and sharing with you that Jesus Christ died, and you know this. And now you're saying that people don't resurrect? Well, you got to obey God's word. You got to obey what he says. And you go back to the Old Testament, and you'll see that Daniel had prophesied about it. The psalmist is, talks about it. Ezekiel talked about the dry bones that came back to life. We're, we're, there is a resurrection coming, folks. Yeah. There is a resurrection. We are a people of the resurrection. And we proclaim the resurrection. Yeah. And so, if I really believe in the resurrection, the, this is, these are the things that I need to do. Number four, I need to continue in a life of holiness. I need to continue in a life of holiness. Now. Yeah we are now going through a book called uh the 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 characteristics of God the the, the nature of God okay. and uh, the characteristics of God the nature of God and, and we, it's a three book volume I was going to bring one out because I wanted to let you know that we're still going to be doing this on Wednesday night as well and and anyways the uh, the book itself talks about the first one is the holiness of God and how he is holy and he, he desires for us to be holy you've heard this verse you know this verse it's been, try to be preached, and I just want to tell you, tell you this. Holiness means separate. Yeah. You need to be separate, church. Yes. And if that means that you need to be separate from your family and friends, you need to be separate. You need to be separate from the world. You need to be separate. That's what holiness is. And when you pursue this holiness, when you pursue being holy, you're pursuing draw, being drawn more to God and away from the world. And the more closer to God you get, you realize, I got to get further away from the world. Because the closer that you get to God, the more of your imperfection you see, the more that you realize, I cannot stand. I got to kneel. I got to fall on my face because I'm standing before the holiest of holy God. Now, holiness does not mean purity. God is pure, though. Holiness does not mean perfect. Holiness means you're separate. You're set aside for a very specific task. And See, because Paul says in verse 16, for if, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And then all men would still be in their sins. What Paul is saying, then everybody would be a sinner. Yes. And how how can you tell the difference in our culture today? Who's actually trusting God and who's not? And and I'm getting calls and questions and, and things that are coming up because of this, this virus and this fear and, and all these things that are happening what the government has told us to do and, and how to... Well, you know, first of all, you gotta believe in the resurrection. You gotta believe that Jesus Christ was raised and that you're gonna get raised. And because you're gonna get raised on that last day or be raptured when it if it comes anytime soon, then because that's going to happen, then you can live a life of holiness. Because if not, then you might as well just continue living in your sin. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if the dead aren't raised and Christ ain't raised, then you're all sinners. He has not taken away your sin. He has not taken anything away. And if Christ has not been raised, and and, and we know, we know that Christ was raised. He says that in the first, last week's message, we talked about that, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. And the witnesses that saw him. And Paul gets this point across and says, you guys believe that. So if he's raised, then you're going to be raised. And the same goes true is that if you're not going to be raised, then he didn't get raised. That's why he was raised, to raise us on the last day. This is why Paul says in Romans 4, believe in him, God, who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification.'" So we need to believe in that resurrection. And I know you're saying, I do believe. Well, are you living it? You only believe what you live. You only work out your salvation in what you really live and what you do. If you work it out, then you're believing it. But folks, we need to get fully on board and become the church in this trying time. Number five, if I truly believe in the resurrection, then I need to communicate hope to others. Amen? I need to communicate hope to others right now more than any other time. I need to communicate that hope because Jesus Christ is the only hope of this world. You know, I know that they're looking for uh, vaccines. They're looking for cures. And they're looking for they're looking to give us money. They're looking to take care of a, a lot of you that have lost your jobs and a lot of you that are hunkered down at home. And, and they're providing everything they can. And a lot of us have our hope in the government. Folks, that's not where your hope should be. You know, because I want to tell you something, seriously. And I, and I don't know how all of this plays, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. What I am is I am a theologian. And a th- as a theologian, I, I, I study prophecy, and prophecy meaning the end times. And this plays in to the end times in a very unique way. I don't really know how, but to get us, you know, congregated and to get us isolated from each other, it, it's it's part of the end time structure to get us all in this one world order. To manipulate and to be able to take care of everything in this planet, there are things going on behind the scenes, folks, that we don't know. Amen. I I don't know the intentions of all the politicians, but I know what God's God's word says God says that one day this will happen. This pestilence that's happening right now doesn't even compare to what's going to happen. Has no bearing. No no. I, I don't want to say bearing, but but no comparison to the things that are going to happen during the tribulation. The things that are going to happen during that time, you think this is bad. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to die because of pestilence, of war, of disease, of famine. It's, this is nothing compared to what's happening. And we got to give hope to people that this is not the only place to live. God has a place for you in heaven. We have to give that hope to everyone and help them understand if Christ has been raised, your, your faith is futile. If, I'm sorry, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. It's worthless. If you don't believe in the resurrection and the outcome that it brings to you and carry that resurrection in your life, construct your life in that resurrection, you follow the commands of God and obey what he has to say. If we don't, then everything that we believe in is futile. Or everything you say you believe in is futile. Because the resurrection is true and it's power and it's designed to to take us to eternity with him because we're going to be resurrected in one way or the other. In one way or the other. I need to communicate hope to others. And then in in verse 18 it says, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That's what he says. You know, if if there's no resurrection, there's no hope. There's no hope for them either. I think one of the things that gives us a lot of hope when our loved ones do pass away, we look up and we look to God and we say, "One day, right? Don't you say that? One day, yeah. One day, you know, I'll see them again. One day, when I cross that river, I'll see them again." Yes. yes. Amen. Number six. Amen. I need to leave. I need. I need to live in the community of eternity. Let me tell you what this means. In verse nineteen, it says, "If in Christ we have hope in this life only." we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, if, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, only right now, right here, if you think that Jesus Christ died and carried that cross and was beaten half to death, if you think that that cross there is is uh, that the one cross that Jesus Christ took for us was to make us happy, then you've missed the boat. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross to make you happy. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross to... Uh, even heal you to be honest with you and some of you have been healed and praise God for that and some of you are looking for a miracle well praise God for that too but that's not why he died on the cross Amen. and look at my sermon on on the 39 lashes or the, the the for his stripes by his stripes we are healed and i know that, that that's a verse that many people claim yeah. and the way they claim it, it's, it it the bottom line is this Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive your sin. That is the biggest disease that we all have. That's why he died on the cross, to forgive your sin. So when I have my sin forgiven, and I understand that, that what will happen is that I should live in eternity. I should live as if I'm living in eternity, because guess what you are? You are in eternity right now. Did that blow you away? You're gonna live forever. The only thing that's blocking us right now from seeing that eternity, well, it's this body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get rid of it. We're gonna get. We're gonna have our identity. Our identity in Christ. You're gonna recognize everyone. Nappy, I'm gonna recognize you. And I'm gonna. I am i do not know if I should call out people's names. You might get in trouble. Get arrested. You were at that con- congregation, weren't you? I'm not gonna mention any more names. Just, just yours. <laughs> I'm gonna recognize you. I'm gonna recognize you too. Um, my brother back there. I'm gonna mention his name, but his initials are Ken Card. Uh, I'm going to recognize you as well. You're going to have your body. Amen. And it's going to be a a, well, a refined body, a better body, a rebuilt Amen. body. Yes. And God, you have your identity because yes. you are created in the image of God. And God wants you to take your life. And see, the Greek people, the Grecians, the bodies, Ugh, I don't want to take that with me. A, no, that stays behind. And some of you are probably saying, I don't want to take this body with me either. But folks, it gets rebuilt. Brand new. Rebuilt. So live like you're living in the community of eternity. You're amongst the people that are living in a community of eternity. You are living in eternity right now, folks. All right? Now, doesn't mean I want you to go out there and get sick. It doesn't mean I want you to go out there and, and be, you know, careless. Please be careful. Thank you for following our, our instruction here and what we're doing. But understand, one day it's going to come for us this way or the other way, it's it's coming. And just know that you're going to move right into eternity when that happens. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, then, you know, if this is all you're looking for, and if you're just looking for this life to be happy and to be well just right now, then Paul says, yeah, I pity you, man. I'll pity the fool. I'll pity the, no, that was Mr. T, I'm sorry. i pity you. The King James Version says, we are all, of all men, most miserable. You know, I see a lot of miserable Christians. In the King James Version, it puts it that way, you know, you're you're the most miserable because you are just living for the right now. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, if you're only trusting for this life only, yeah, you're going to live a very miserable life because this world will let you down every single time. I like the way uh, Eugene Peterson puts it. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a short few years, we're pretty much a sorry lot. <laughs> if all we get out of it is just you know, an inspirational quote, and I'm sorry, but I'm not an inspirational quote type of a pastor. I know that there are a lot of them out there, and you have plenty of options out there for next week. Uh, many of you probably won't come back, but I'm just sharing with you what the Bible says. You know, because if that's all you're looking for, an inspiration, a quote, a a feel-good, like my daughter says, a ya-ya church. We're not a ya-ya-ya-ya-ya church. You know, we're going to love you. (laughs) We're going to encourage you. We're also going to give you the word of God. And sometimes that's, well, sometimes that hurts, but all the time it's the best medicine that you can take. Amen? Paul says, "I, I pity you. You should be pitied if that's all you're living for. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of people live you see as a christian that has no savior has has no savior but christ no redeemer but christ and no lord but christ when we have as a christian therefore if christ was not raised paul is saying that he is not alive and and our christian life is lifeless we would have nothing to justify our faith we would have nothing to justify our bible studies we would have nothing to justify our preaching or our witnessing, we would have nothing to justify our service for Him and our worship of Him. If we didn't have the resurrection, we would have nothing to justify our hope either for this life or the next. You know, we, we, should, we do deserve to be pitied. And so because of the resurrection and the power of the resurrection, see, if there is no resurrection, we have no message. But when you know the resurrection, you'll know the message. Does that make sense? When you know the resurrection and you know the power behind the resurrection, you'll know the message. It just flows right out of you. Guys, Jesus Christ is alive. He died. He was buried. He's alive. He's coming back. And I know one day I will die. I will be buried, but I'm going to be resurrected. That's good news, folks, for this dying world right now, today, in your home and in your lives. See, because verse 20, Paul says this, but in fact, Christ has raised, risen from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, he's the first one and everybody else that has fallen asleep and those that will fall asleep. Now, he's not meaning like, you know, bedtime, going to bed. You know this. The Bible uh, usually uses the word sleep as a euphemism for um, death, dying. As a matter of fact, koimatorion is the Greek word for, uh, for for the grave and uh I mean, it's the Greek word for a hotel, and where we get our English word a cemetery, and cemetery comes from komotorian, and to the Jewish people, the Greek people, that word was used of a resting place where you go and you sleep and you rest and you you buy, you put your head down, and you pay the innkeeper, and, and and so you're done. We've taken that word and we've made it call, we've called it the cemetery. Now, folks, the rest of this chapter it is amazing, all the way up to verse fifty-eight. It is amazing, and we're going to keep going through this until we we hit the resurrection, and we're going to show you that Christians don't die. They get planted. (laughs) They get planted in the ground. And and what comes out, Paul is trying to get across through the resurrection. What comes out is not another body like this, thank God. (laughs) This body is going to perish in the ground, but something more beautiful is going to come up. You know, like you get a bulb of tulips. You know, it's like an ugly looking rock thing. And, you know, that's kind of like what my body is. And and that thing gets planted in the ground. And these beautiful purple tulips and different colors and a variation of spring just popping forth and just saying, wow, that's what Paul is going to share with us here in the next few weeks. And I pray that you just continue to join us as often as you can. Let me ask you to stand. What we're going to do right here is we're going to um, have a word of prayer. And then we're going to have some time of celebrating our message and our time together with song. Uh, as the group of here, we have a small group, but it's a, it's a fairly good group. And, and I want to I ask you to join us. If you'd like to join us one Sunday, just let me know, and we'll make room for you. And those that are here today, they'll, they'll understand. We'll, we'll move them around. We, we ha- we'll have a, we'll ha- I don't know exactly how this is going to work. This is all <laughs> new to us. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make reservations. If that's if that's what it takes, Amen. and I'll, I'll be here all day <laughs> until Jesus comes. Amen. I've said this from the very beginning. Uh, we will continue to meet until Jesus comes. I want to keep you safe, you know. And and I understand if you can't make it, but that's okay. That's okay. We're gonna have a word of prayer, and uh, afterward we're gonna we're gonna collect the offering here. And if you want to give on this app that we just talked about, that's fine. You can do that as well if you're not prepared to do so today. But those of you at home, if you'd like to give, uh, go to tithe.ly and uh, the app, and you'll, it's it's an app on your phone, and download it, you know, if you like, if you don't, it's okay. I I want you to know that our door is going to be open, and we are good. We are okay, because God's taking care of us way ahead of time before even this happened. Just want you to know that. But I know that you will want to share uh, in this ministry, and and you'll want to, and it's not because we need it, and we don't. I can be straight up and honest with you. It's because you need it, let's pray. Father in heaven, I wanna thank you once again for just giving us this opportunity to just understand a little bit more clear about what the resurrection power does for us. Lord, we would be lost, It'll be we'll be pitied, it's foolishness. Everything that we say and do would be in vain. Our whole Christian walk, everything that we've ever done was for nothing. But Lord, we know the power of the resurrection. Many of us here have been transformed from the life we were to the life we are now. We know we're not perfect, Father, but we're growing and we're developing and we're becoming more like you. That is our goal, to be more like Jesus Christ. So I thank you, Father, for this time. I thank you for giving us this opportunity to celebrate together, to learn together, and uh, to just sing songs together. So, Father, just lead us in the rest of this time of service and uh, this rest of the time of worship. And we thank you, God, for those that have joined us. And I know that there's people that are listening right now that are struggling financially. Lord, I pray that you meet their needs. Let them live in the power of the resurrection. And I know people, I know people right now, Lord, that they know that uh, there are people that are getting sick and ill, and they're afraid of the things that might happen. We have a family right now at home that I lift up right now, Father, that are quarantined because of the threat of this virus touching their lives. And I pray for that family. I pray your peace upon them, Lord, because we know that your perfect love casts out all fear. And we, we pray for that family, Father, and I just lift them up to you. And I, and I pray for that person that they came in contact with and their family. And I know that that person is struggling right now. You give them the peace that they need. And, Lord, all around our communities, all around each one of us, Father, we, we know people that are struggling. And I just pray that the church rises up and becomes the church. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this hour of reflection, of this hour of instruction, of this hour of celebration, of encouragement. And I thank you, Lord, for what you do. So, Father, we pray now for our offering and for those that are giving online or whatever, Lord. I just thank you for their abilities to do so. You continue to bless their life. So, Father, I just thank you, and we love you, Lord. We all say amen amen and amen. All right, guys, thank you for joining us.